evening, church. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, a couple things before we get into tonight's message. Uh, we really do believe uh, that we are better together. We believe that once we connect in a small group of people, uh, all age groups, all different kinds of people, uh, we really do believe that we can be better. And so we encourage you to get connected into a small group if you're not already. Uh, see someone at guest services before you leave today. And if you're online, just comment groups and we'll be sure to reach out to you this week. Do want to remind everyone about our November outreach uh, that's coming up. Uh, next weekend will be the last day we take up those donations for the weekend. Uh, we are collecting anything that men will enjoy and putting them in these man buckets. And uh, we're going to bless some men this Thanksgiving. On the screen there, uh, you will see some uh, some examples for uh, things we want to put in these man buckets. Um, there's also a, a piece of paper here over here on the table. You can go there, take a picture if you'd like to, uh, to remind yourself this week. And I uh, had a couple more people bring in some stuff. I see popcorn over there. There's flashlights that was brought in last week. So uh, things are coming in, but we need a couple more things. So if you'd like to donate that, you can come into the office as well. We are here Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5.30, um, except lunchtime, but you can come in and drop that off too if you're out running errands or something like that. So uh, be sure to bring stuff in for these man buckets, and uh, let's bless someone this Thanksgiving. We're in a series called Momentum, and uh, we're in week two, and we're talking about how do we make a difference, kind of like our countdown was talking about, because we are on a mission to love people. And so today's big question is how do we show people that we care? Let's go on and get started. Hey guys, let's find the Bible, go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11. I just got a few verses tonight, I'm going to give you a little context and background, and we're really going to talk together about how to make a difference, and uh, well, let me just say this, when I grew up, maybe, maybe for you guys here on a Saturday service, when I grew up, some of you as well, it felt sort of like... Uh, all of your neighbors, we were kind of the same. And no, nobody really felt like they were poor. We were just all working class people. Either you were farmers or you uh, worked in a factory. You had maybe children. But it seemed like everybody kind of had the same kind of income. If you knew somebody that was really wealthy or had uh, lots of resources, they probably probably were a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, someone that had you know more academic training and a greater level of opportunity. So... For all of us in my family, when we grew up, it just seemed like we were all the same. But today, uh, there's many more opportunities for people maybe to find uh, uh, more income, more resources, more things that we can do. But uh, people are still just people. And so uh, momentum and opportunity go together. Opportunity equals momentum. And I'm going to talk about that and this passage in Acts chapter 11, because we're going to look at the early first century church. And some of the people in the early church who followed Jesus had a lot of resources. And others had very little. 
And so there's this uh, partnership where they decided to try to make a difference and create some momentum within the church. I went back and looked this up when Connie and I um, first got married in 1972. 1972, the, the poverty threshold in 72 was about $4,000 for four people. We made, Connie and I made $4,000 in the military that first year in the military. 2023, the poverty threshold for four people is about 30000 We have more resources, but we still have poverty, inflation, and cost of living, indebtedness, all kinds of things that have happened to us. So the topic that we're talking about really does have a lot of application for all of us, building community in our community how do we do that how do we become better neighbors build community in our community engaging with people who maybe have different social status maybe have a different position economically different opportunities it really is it turns out the church is a vital place in the world where we can find role models and we can experience uh, positive relationships with people we can find more balance in our life it is a place to have fun and it's also a place to find hope say hope so it's veterans day happy veterans day it's also an anniversary of some sad things for some of you and happy things for others it is things that happen to all of us in life and whether you're happy or sad at this moment as you look at the calendar we really can make a difference with each other because of the church. The church really is vital. And we do find hope, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what conditions, and no matter what the date on the calendar. So together we, uh, we'll work this out. We'll find a way to maybe discover a few things, how the church can be vital in an uncertain economy where people are dealing with uncertainties or underemployment at times, uh, how can we build community in our community and show that we care? That's what we're going to do. And I want you to follow along with me as we look at the Bible. Not got a lot of verses, as I said. This will be a shorter message, but it really does have some impact. And especially if you're struggling in some way economically. If you're working too many hours and too many jobs and you don't seem to be getting ahead at all, maybe you seem like maybe I'm getting behind. Uh, I just had a conversation with some of you about some of your uh, mechanical problems. If you have a breakdown with some kind of a piece of transportation, some kind of a vehicle that needs repairs, man, it's, it's very costly. It's not... It's not easy to do that. If you have some kind of medical procedure and you have to go into the hospital or you, you have to pay doctor's bills, none of that's easy. So I'm just saying for everyone that's with us tonight and everybody that's online, you really can make a difference. We all can build momentum. And the way to do that is look for an opportunity. If we'll look for an opportunity to try to help our neighbor in a community, you know, like be a friend in the community, to everyone, whatever their social status, it really does make an impact that's a positive one. So here we go. Let's look at Acts 11, verse 27 through 30. I'll read these few verses, and let's see what the takeaway is that might help all of us. Uh, 
when sometimes we have bad news that we have to deal with. Let's take a look at this. Here's the first takeaway. Put this in your notes. Sometimes life deals us a really bad hand. So my goodness, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath because some of you have told me about it already. Some of you have reminded me of it already. Sometimes in life, we're dealt a really bad hand. We're just people, and we try our best, guys. Um, God makes a difference, and we can make a difference, even with people who have different circumstances. So let's read a little bit of this, and let me give you the context for why this might help all of us, whatever you're facing right now. Here's what verse 27, 28 says. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. That's where we were at last weekend looking at this series called Momentum, getting from where you are to where you want to, where you want to be. Maybe you're not where you want to be right now. Man, I wish I didn't have to deal with this right now. I wish I didn't have to think about this right now. Maybe that describes you best. Well, how do I find a little momentum? How can I make a difference to help somebody else? And you apply yourself here. Sometimes life deals out a really bad hand, and maybe you've gotten one of those. And you're trying your best. So listen to what I'm reading and make application for your own circumstance. During this time, some prophets came there from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, big S, capital S, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. So let's let's find a little context for verse 27 and see if I can describe why this was such a difficult time that people had lost hope in their circumstances and why it was difficult for some people. Verse 27 during this time tells us that there was this time in history. What time was that? What are we talking about? It was a time in history in the early church a time when there was amazing growth, and I spoke about that last weekend. Remember I said last weekend in Acts chapter 11 that by the time we get here, we already have a church that's about eight to 10,000 people large. They're, they're everywhere in Antioch, these small church plants everywhere. There's, there's these people, 3,000 people in Acts chapter 2, and then there's another 5,000 people in Acts chapter 4. But something began to happen I said last weekend, as the church began to grow and have this dynamic of uh, exponential growth, there was some persecution and some pushback and some confrontation and controversy. And that's what we're talking about by the time we get to chapter 11. And so it began with people who were religious people not liking the Jesus way, not wanting, to, not wanting that to you know, kind of be the trending topic of the day. Well, some, something else happens that we're introduced to in chapter 11 that I'm trying to share with you tonight. There was a severe famine that was predicted by this prophet of God, and it would kind of be like the stock market crash. It'd kind of be like the Great Depression again. It'd kind of be like soup lines again. Some of you remember hearing your parents and grandparents talk about having to stand in soup lines. Some of you even remember ration cards 
trying to buy gas on certain days of the month or certain whatever your license plate said or which it, who could get gas on what day because there was a there was this kind of crisis that we had in the 80s with gas embargoes some of you remember those things and so that's what happens in Acts chapter 11 that we're reading here in these few verses and I hope that makes sense I hope that you understand that some of the people during this time were kind of uh, struggling because life had dealt them a really bad hand. These new followers of Jesus who had just been deepening and growing their faith in God and in Jesus, and, and it was a time of good times, good days, happy days. It was enjoyed by many, many people, but bad news was not very far down the pike. That's what happens in verse 27 and 28. And there were a group of these prophets from Jerusalem that come to town, and it's sort of like the bad news bears. And I don't know who it is that brought you bad news. It could have been your surgeon, your doctor, your lawyer, your attorney. It could have been your son or daughter. It could have been your supervisor. It could have been anyone, but I'm telling you, it was like this moment where sometimes life deals us a really bad hand. Say, bad hand? Yeah, don't lose hope. We can make a difference. Jesus makes a difference. Jesus changes everything, and we can make a difference when we try to build some community in our community with people who are struggling. And sometimes it might be economical struggles, their status that they live, their lifestyle is not quite the same as what's needed or necessary. There are three primary leader groups in the early church that are identified. Let me give them to you real quick. They're not in your notes, but listen real quick, some context and background. There's three primary areas. There's an apostle, there's an elder, and there's a prophet. So the apostle is this person who was gifted to preach Jesus and to establish new churches. The elder was the one that was to pray and teach and provide some structure. But the prophet, like the guy we mentioned in verse 27, these prophets were gifted in two specific areas. They were forth-tellers and truth-tellers. So forth-tellers, and like they were able to predict things in the future, and they were truth-tellers and that they could pronounce the judgment or voice and wisdom of God. So in verse 27, chapter 11, Agabus was a predictor because God gave him this skill and this gift to predict the coming famine, and it was really a bad news, and it was a warning for troubled waters ahead. Maybe you went and had your blood pressure checked this week. <laughs> Maybe you had to get your cholesterol checked. You know, maybe your stress has been too high and somebody had to talk to you about maybe taking some smaller dosage of something to maybe help that. That's what the, This is what the environment and the conditions on the ground looked like in the early church as it got off to a great start. And by the hundreds and by the thousands, there were people coming to Jesus and being baptized. And you would think it was heaven on earth, and it was for a short period of time. But then, as I said, this predicament happened where there was persecution, and now there's a predicament. Say predicament? Maybe you're in a predicament. You don't really know what to do because life's dealt you a bad hand. 
Am I ever going to get over this? Am I ever going to be normal again? Am I, you know, just tell me. You're shaking your heads and you're, and you guys at home, I'm sure you're asking the same kind of things and thinking the same kind of thoughts. But I'm telling you, we're all just people and this is kind of the environment and this is kind of the context that's in this story in just a few verses. I'm trying to develop the story for you. I don't want you just to read a couple of verses and walk away and don't learn anything from this. I want you to really, I want you to apply this because all of us are dealing with some kind of really, you know, bad news. Some Somehow life's dealt us a really bad hand. I've got a bill I don't want to pay or I've got somebody I've got to talk to and I don't want to. What is it? What What is it that God has sent you as a warning? Here's my question. What is it that God has sent you as a warning or a signal of trouble ahead? You probably are going to get a warning. You're going to hear a preacher. You're going to hear a song on Caleb. You're going to find a verse in the Bible in your morning reading. You're going to probably get some kind of red flag, like God's waving a flag somehow, of troubled waters ahead because all of us are just people and that's how it does. Nobody stays static in the same, like, man, I want to just freeze it right here. Say, freeze it? You can't do that. So the reality is that, you know, we all are in different moments. And if it's good now, it may not be good later. And we jumped from chapter 2 to chapter 4, and it was great. But by the time we got to chapter 8 and chapter 11, it wasn't very good at all in just a few chapters in the story of the early church. And so history tells us that this particular famine was so severe and so widespread, verse 28, during the reign of Claudius, and history tells us this was A.D. 41 to 54. It lasted a long time, from A.D. 41 to A.D. 54, not just a few months. It lasted for years. And ancient historians who wrote about the early church, Josephus writes of this famine being so severe in Judea that there was this record high grain prices that no one could afford. Have you filled your car up with gas lately? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's expensive if you start buying few. Have you bought some groceries lately? What? Have you seen the price of a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk or maybe a pound of butter? Have you noticed how inflation has impacted everybody's cost of living expenses? Your paycheck doesn't go as far and your groceries don't, there's not as many in the basket when you come home after you spent your money. Say amen? Yeah, maybe life's dealt you a bad hand lately. It really did in the early, te- in the early church, in the early New Testament. And all of these people were affected. Look up here at me for a second. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you don't get a bad hand sometimes. Listen, it's the truth. I hate to tell you this. Just because you love God and God loves you and because you have a Jesus relationship does not mean you can avoid getting dealt a bad hand in life. And so everybody was going through this famine. People who loved Jesus and those who didn't. Amen? Yeah. And so we know a whole lot of people who we say, yeah, they deserve it. It's your own fault, buddy. 
But what about the people that don't deserve it? Really good people. It happens to us too. And that's what was going on in the early church in Acts chapter 11. And it affected everybody. People were hungry and they were desperate. And even the government officials who were in charge of making things better, they were mobbed by crowds of people who were hungry. Kind of like today, you look on the television, you look at the news, desperate times. Say desperate? Yeah, it is kind of desperate. And it's desperate. Uh, we're sometimes in our own life, we're trying to hold things together, trying to pay our bills, trying to help our kids or grandkids maybe pay their bills too. And even though we make a lot more money than in 1972, $30,000 doesn't go as far. It really doesn't. So if life's dealt you a bad hand, don't despair. God cares. He always does. The good news and good days can return. God is seldom early, but he's never late. Say amen. He's working on it. So we can make a difference, and Jesus does change everything, even when life's dealt us a bad hand. Here's the second thing. Jot this down. I only got a couple. So you short message. Hope it helps when life's dealt you a bad hand. Here's my second point. Hope is never lost. Help is on the way. Man, I'm glad. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, my goodness. I think I've got a headache. Oh, I don't know. My tooth's hurting. I need to see a dentist. It could be anything, honestly. Like I'm telling you, it's, I'm really glad that help is on the way. So this prophet of God who has the job of bringing bad news, don't shoot the messenger, so don't shoot the preacher who's trying to tell you that you can't avoid some bad news some days. It happens to good people too. You can't avoid it. It does happen, even to good people. So don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you the truth. But the other half of this story is that if you'll just hang on, God's working on things, and he's going to work in your situation. So look at verse 29. Look at what verse 29 says. There's more to the story. Don't despair. It's never too late. Help is on the way. The disciples in the early church, followers of Jesus, each according to his ability decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. All right, let me explain that. Let me explain what I, what's left out that you wouldn't know if you don't look at your Bible footnotes. Maybe you've got an application study Bible and you can read the footnotes, but let me give you the background. So the big church, the mama church, I'm going to step down. So the big church, the mama church in Jerusalem, that was a mega church and helped plant all these small house churches or journey-sized churches all over Antioch. Antioch was kind of a big place too. It wasn't as big as Jerusalem, but it was kind of a very diverse place with lots of people. And so there were a lot of small little churches getting started. Like I said, about 10,000 people in the church by this time. But they didn't have a building and they didn't have a budget. And, you know, they didn't have a whole lot. So the big church, the mother church, the mega church in Jerusalem was the one that was sending out help to get these churches, these little church starts, church plants going, you know, in the beginning. So when the famine, 
this prophet, uh, this prophet Agabus speaks about the famine coming. The church who has all these little small churches decides, you know what? Before the shoe drops and everybody's starving to death, why don't we take up a generous offering for the mother church, for the big church? Because they were having a hard time paying their electric bill, I guess. I don't know. It's a great big old church. I don't know what kind of bill they had. But in Jerusalem, the mother church, the mama church, that had helped start all these church plants, they were in a hard time. They were having some kind of hard times. And so the disciples, it says in verse 29, in Antioch and all these smaller churches decided to provide some help for the brothers who were in the larger place. You never really know what God, God might do when you need help. It might come from some of the most unusual places that you hadn't even ever thought about. Amen? Oh, my mama's going to help me. Oh, my daddy's going to help me. <laughs> what, what happens when mama or daddy can't help you either because they got too many bills too? I mean, just think about this, guys. God's working on this, and sometimes it comes in the most unusual places and unusual ways, and that's what happened in this situation that we're reading, that, that God, did you catch this, Antioch, the little church plant, helped the, helped the big, dynamic kind of mega church in Jerusalem, the mother church, and, and it was kind of God's plan. When the church in Jerusalem came under persecution, and I talked about that last week, that what happened was Stephen got martyred. He got killed when he would not stop talking about Jesus. And so the early church began to persecute the Jesus followers. And so everybody had in the mega church had to run for their life. Everybody left except, well, except the leaders, the apostles. And there weren't very many of those. And so I don't guess they had enough money to keep all the things going in their big place that they used to meet with all these thousands of people, 10,000 people, most of the 10,000 people had to leave. If you lost it, if you had a church of 10,000 and you lost all of them, <laughs> you're in trouble. Say, in trouble? They were kind of in trouble. And so sometimes in life, the unthinkable does happen. Your wife gets sick. And you can't help her. Nobody else can. Somebody loses a job and it's not anything they did wrong. It's just there's not as many jobs. And that job just quit. Or you had put away a whole bunch for your retirement. And now because of inflation, it's not worth as much as it used to be. You should have retired five years ago. Your kids can have an accident. Somebody can have a pregnancy that gets complicated. Craig, somebody's roof can get blown off. And it might be the only house on the whole road. But they lost their roof and everybody else's is fine. But they couldn't afford a roof. But they lost their roof. The one house. It does happen. Somebody's marriage gets shaky. 
things happen, the unthinkable can happen. And so the big church that helps start up all these other smaller new churches finds themselves in trouble. Who do you know right now that you thought had it all together? Oh, they got money, they got resources, they've got a great marriage, they got terrific kids and grandkids, they live in a big house, drive a new car. Who do you know right now that you would have never thought they run into a problem? Yeah, there you go. That's some. Thanks, Ira. I'm telling you guys, even the wealthiest of the wealthy have their problems too. And sometimes money can't fix any of that. And so the young church in Antioch took up an offering and sent it to the big church and tried to help them to people they never had met. Have you ever tried to help somebody that you didn't know who they were or had never met them before, but you just saw a need and you met a need because you wanted to make a difference? Journey does all the time. Say amen. Yeah, you should do that. And so they gave early even before the storm came. They gave, they gave early even before the famine started. And so people really do matter most. And we say this all the time. And we mean it. We try to back it up and we try to demonstrate it. And I think for way too long, maybe the traditional church, the modern church, I don't want to say this because I'm, I'm not trying to say this to hurt anybody's feeling, feelings, but I think for a long time maybe the modern church just kind of hoarded their money and kept it for themselves to build a bigger building. These guys didn't do that in Antioch. They said we need to help the mother church. They didn't have a whole bunch of red tape that you had to go through 14 meetings to decide let's vote again. Let's vote again, you know. At Journey, we just try to do what we can do, and if you see a need, try to meet a need. Amen? And that's kind of what they did in Antioch, and I think that's probably the best policy. And sometimes you get some help in some of the craziest places, and so we're not ever going to pay utilities and rent because that's a chronic problem we can't fix, but we are going to try to help somebody get the job done, even if we have to show them where community action is to help them get their electric bill paid. We'll guide them there and tell them go there. We'll try to show them where a job's at. They can go to work today. We're not going to duplicate what somebody else is already doing that can do better. We're going to try to find our own little niche at Journey Church and try to be that church that everybody else has overlooked, and we'll try to do that. We'll try to do our best and uh, try to make this simple and try to, we, we've been trying to do this for a long time, 16 years, 17 years, be this summer. And I hope you see that. I hope you see that uh, sometimes that in our world that we live in today, even, even today, the unthinkable can happen and it does happen. And we're not a big church and we don't have enough resources ourselves. But we still try to help others, and we try to do our best, and we try to be more specific. And we have adopted kids that are compassion kids, and they're still back there on the wall. And two of those kids, they've aged out that we've, we've helped them for so long that they're now past the age of 18. And, and so we've added two more kids. I'm telling you all these things just so you'll know that God sometimes uses us to make a difference. When you think that you're sad and you're having a really hard time and life has dealt you a really bad hand, one of the best things you can do is get your focus off yourself and your problems. 
and look at somebody else that God may be leading you to that you can really encourage them. I was sitting, I'll say this real fast, but I'll, I'll, it, it fits right here. It just popped in my head. It's what I blogged about and wrote on Thursday. I was sitting at the car rental place this week, and the time that I was waiting was longer than the time it took me to get to the city that I went to. It was a, just forever, and we weren't getting any assistance, and everybody was backed up in lines, and there weren't any cars that anybody could get. And after about 45 minutes, I finally got to the counter, and I finally filled out whatever I needed to fill out. And then they looked at me and says, now have a seat and we'll find you a car in about 15 minutes or 20 minutes. 45 minutes later, they come out again. They're still looking for a car. And I met a little lady. She had two little boys about age five and seven. And they were just about done with the whole car rental thing. They were choking each other, you know. They were doing this kind of thing with each other. And she was trying her best to keep them separated because the dad was still standing in line. She was tired and they were wore out. And they were just about done with this whole trip thing. Like, I don't like it. I'm hungry and I want to go home. <laughs> and I asked the little lady, I said, where are you all from? She says, Vermont. And I said, you all got up really early this morning, didn't you? She said, yes, we did. And they're really tired and hungry and I hope we find a car. <laughs> sometimes life deals you a bad hand it sounded like it was going to be a great trip together and we were all going to go somewhere and have fun the fun had already left the room pretty fast and I tried my best they didn't know me at all I was a stranger and I'd never met them but I tried my best I couldn't give them a car but I could sure try to help them feel a little more cheerful just trying to show them that I understood and I cared and I hope that they could get a car real soon amen I'm telling you guys God's working on it even if even if we've been dealt a bad hand God's working on a solution and I'm sure that it helped a little bit that I could encourage this little lady and I hope that you can see that too that journey tries to do that kind of thing every day we try to bless people that we've never met and we try to do it in all kinds of crazy ways with the tide jug, or we just do it one-on-one -on -one that somebody that you meet at work or somebody that you meet at Kroger. We can all make a difference, and God makes a difference, and Jesus changes everything. And so write this down. Here's the bottom line. There are 2,500 verses in the Bible that call us to help the poor and the sick and the hungry. So start there. Okay, just start there. There's 2,500 verses that say at least you can begin by helping the poor, the sick, and the hungry and be generous when you can. Do your best to be generous. You and I are God's difference maker, and, and that's God's plan. And it really does change everything when we share good news. Jesus changes everything. And we can learn to be generous, even if we're the little guy. And we're not the mega church. We don't have a budget. We don't even make budget. Can I tell you the truth? Sure I can. It's Saturday, and I'll try to tell them again tomorrow. For probably the last 10 years at Journey, we don't make enough money. Probably the last 10 years. We need about $500 a week just to break even more than we get.
We need about $500 more a week. Not just at Christmas, one time somebody gives us $500. I mean, 52 weeks out of the year, we need about another $500 a week just to break even for about 10 years. We're going in the wrong direction if you look at it on paper with our money. But here we are. God uses some of the strangest people sometimes to help, to help the most people in your community be a community. How do you build community in your community? We just try to be generous because God is generous. And somehow, two fish and five loaves feeds 5,000. And sometimes that's all we got. Amen? You do your best. And that's what I want to say to you, all of you tonight, that you can really find an opportunity to build a little momentum when you begin looking at other people whose social status may not quite be even as good as yours. You're not anybody in here wealthy millionaires that I know of. But you're a lot better than a lot of people that we know all around us every day. Every one of us sitting here right now are a lot better than a whole lot of people who really are the, the people that I described, those who are poor, those who are sick, and those who are hungry. Just try to be nice. We'll talk about that at Thanksgiving, and that's not far away. But try to be nice. It really is nice to be nice and try to be generous. You guys who are going to help us with communion, you guys who are home, I hope you'll grab yours now. And I'm going to grab mine, and I'm going to read a passage to you. In Acts chapter 2, we're back in Acts even for communion. Generosity, turns out, generosity was a key feature of the early church that Jesus started. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 2 about the generosity of the little tiny church like Journey, that's a little tiny church that never makes its budget. Needs about $500 every week just to break even. And we've needed it for about 10 years every week. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. That phrase, had everything in common, means if I've got $5 and you need $2.50, I'll split it with you. That's what that means. That's what that means. The early church and the early believers decided that if somebody's got $5 and somebody else has none, I'll split $5 and give you $2.50. That's their attitude because... Jesus was generous and God is generous in giving us Jesus, His Son, as our Savior, they decided they should actually model that too. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as He had need, even strangers. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate meals together. Wow. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you have a plan. And the plan is you and me being generous. Because God has been generous to us. Be generous to other people. The bread. And the cup. Let's pray. Bow your head. God, I can't even begin to describe how generous you have been to us in giving us Jesus, your one and only son. I've got three children. I couldn't give them up for nothing. I've got six grandchildren and a great-grandchild. I couldn't give them up for nothing. I'd rather give myself up. Come and take me away. Don't take them away. But God, you gave us Jesus, your one and only perfect son. You were generous to us so that we might recognize the cost and sacrifice of loving of loving the world and loving other people. May we learn from that. May we exhibit that as we meet other people every day with maybe a different social status than we have ourselves. May we never look down at people. May we always lift them up because you've lifted us up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Drop your little cups there in the basket. Don't forget about the man bucket. We need to put some stuff in the man bucket uh, so we can give that away. And thank you guys online for joining us. Hope this is helpful. Uh, opportunities. Look for opportunities to build some uh, momentum and good things in the world wherever you are helping someone else in their status. Yes, sir. That is true. Thank you. You're right. You're right. God bless you. God bless you. God loves you. We love you too. Let's sing.